Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. We're in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 9. So that's uh, Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And to all the angels were standing, uh, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, "Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen." Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, "Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come?" And I said to him, "Sir, you know." And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. All right, I have an opening question uh, for you guys this morning. If you are new or visiting uh, with us, you may not know we do this, but we're in the habit of having these questions that you get to respond to. It's true for you, uh, worshiping along with us at home as well. Um, You can jump on the live chat and answer there, or you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. Uh, that number will be on your screen soon, if it's not already, and uh, I'll repeat it again in just a moment. Pastor Chris, our online pastor over there today, uh, will get your answer and relay it to me. Uh, so here is the opening question for today. Uh, how many of you speak a language or languages other than English, and what are they? Uh, how many of you speak a language or languages other than English? And what ones do you speak? Uh, You can text your answer to 407-842-8884. I'll answer this one for myself. Uh, The answer, this one, it depends a little bit on how you define speak. Um, Because I am not really conversational, at least at this point, in any language other than English. So in that sense, zero uh, is my answer. Uh, but if you want to just talk about languages I've spent a little time trying to study or learn or whatever, the answer is actually five. Uh, so when I was in high school, I took German. Uh, I did that for three years. Got kind of conversational in that. Not, certainly not fluent, but, you know, I could do a little bit more than just say, hi, my name is, you know. Uh, and... Uh, I don't really remember much of it. Language is one of those things that if you don't use it, you definitely lose it. So uh, at this point, I only remember a few words and phrases, 
including my favorite German word of all, which is the word for potato salad, which is Kartoffelsalat. And I don't know why I always enjoyed that so much, uh, but I did. I don't even really like potato salad because uh, I'm not an onion guy like Pastor Chris either, and uh, people put onions in it. But yeah, uh, so German, and then uh, in my undergraduate degree uh, was in Asian studies, so you can see how that led me to ministry. Um, and there I studied Japanese. I did that for three years. Uh, and actually, I did get pretty conversational with that. Uh, in fact, had I gone and lived there for a few years, I probably would have ended up fluent, uh, but I did not, and I don't really use it. Uh, and so, yeah, again, I only kind of remember a few words and phrases in that now. Then in seminary, I had to learn how to read Hebrew and Greek. Um, I still, the Hebrew, that ship has sailed, uh, but... Greek, if you give me a good dictionary and a grammar book, I could laboriously translate passages of Scripture uh, if my life depended on it. And then most recently, I've started trying to teach myself Mandarin Chinese. Uh, Yeah, it's not easy. Um, And I've been off and on for over a year now, and yeah, I'm not much beyond the hello my name is uh, stage for that. Um, and yeah, it doesn't help that I don't really have a lot of people to practice with. Uh, so Pastor Chris, uh, yes. what, what else uh, are people speaking out there? Well, once again, happy Mother's Day to everybody streaming this service right now. I would say a majority of the people can speak pretty uh, good Spanish. That's what uh. I'm seeing right here. Uh, Eric and Heidi learned Germany when they lived there. That seems to be the best oh, way. Nice. Uh, the always funny Kyle Williams says he speaks body language, which uh, <laughs> is funny. Uh, Jen Otterino, American Sign Language. Oh, that's uh, a cool one. A, a yeah. few people speak sign language. Uh, Jim uh, Lillo said that he speaks uh, Spanish okay and just enough Italian to get by. And my story is, I was the toughest class I took at the University of Iowa was Spanish four. Yeah. And uh, I, I said to everybody, "Why am I taking Spanish? I live in Iowa. Nobody lives in, in Iowa and speaks Spanish." And then I immediately moved to Florida. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I nobody speaks Spanish here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. So I, I did do the the Spanish, uh, yeah. but I still speak it in Poco. Yeah. Uh, just oh, there a, you go. Un poco. Un poco. Yeah. yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I find that, so even for me, like a lot of the languages I've studied, I can't really speak, uh, but I still find value in studying them, uh, because I think it's a great way to, it kind of uh, exposes you, uh, to other cultures, um, other people, right? Uh, it, it kind of enables you to kind of stand in, in other people's shoes a little bit, which is something we're not always great at doing. Uh, but when you l- are trying to learn another language, learning how to communicate uh, with people, it kind of helps you to do that. And that's important uh, because today we're kind of talking about this idea of, I mean, we might as well call it diversity, right? Uh, because there is going to be, as we were just reading in this passage from Revelation, there is going to be, and well, there is now, but I'm thinking like of eternal life in the kingdom, there's going to be incredible diversity among God's people. And scripture sees that as a very, very good thing. So it's good sometimes to get out of our own uh, heads, our own place, and put ourselves in other people's place. So let's start digging into this passage. But first, I kind of want to do a little bit of a prelude. Um, So this is talking about a little bit, uh, we could call it heaven, I suppose. 
Although usually when people say heaven, you think about what happens to people when they die. And that's not exactly what this is. Uh, it's probably better to refer to this as eternal life. Uh, we, we talk about that all the time, right? Jesus won for us eternal life. What does that mean? What does it look like? It looks like this, okay? This is what that is going to look like. And this follows a very well-known passage where uh, John sees a vision of, of these people, uh, and there are 144,000 of them. And this has actually led some people to believe that uh, only 144,000 people will be saved, right? Uh, yeah, I see some of you like laughing, nodding your heads. You've heard this before. And, uh, and this passage answers that question. First of all, that number is symbolic, right? It's not a, a literal, meant to be a literal number. It's a multiple of 12, which you see a lot of in Revelation. And it's actually part of a military muster, right? There are 12,000 people from each of the 12 tribes of Israel uh, that are picked out, right? And this is where the 144,000 comes from. And that's really a reference to the church here to us on earth, right? What we sometimes call the church militant. Uh, militant in the sense that we are active and actively pursuing the kingdom of God, not in a true military context, because our weapons are love and forgiveness and service. Uh, the 144,000 is a symbolic representation of the church on earth, of us. When it comes to actual heaven, when it comes to eternal life, what we see here is that the number is countless. Here's what it says. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So a great multitude, so many that you cannot count them, that is who, who we are going to be with in eternal life. And it is a diverse group. It is people from all over. It literally says from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and from every language. Now, we, uh, uh, we're actually pretty reflective uh, um, uh, statistically from the community that we live in here at Holy Cross, Right? Uh, but when we look at the larger kingdom of God, it's important to note, and I think kind of exciting, that when we get to eternal life, when we are sitting at the marriage feast for the Lamb, because that's often how eternal life is described as a wedding party, when we're sitting at the tables there celebrating that great party in eternal life, we are going to be sitting next to a bunch of people that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't act like us, right? They come from different cultures and different backgrounds. There's going to be an incredible diversity in the kingdom of God. And in fact, that's one of the things that we value here at Holy Cross. It's one of our, uh, uh, we call them strategic pillars. And one of them is experiencing diversity for a full expression of the gospel. Because while the gospel doesn't change, how people see the gospel, how people react to the gospel, uh, happens in a myriad of ways. And we learn and grow from seeing how other people receive and react to the gospel. 
It's about acknowledging the diversity of God's kingdom and the people of God. Because scripture values that as we see here from this passage. So we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in eternal life with people from all over and from all different backgrounds. But as cool as that's going to be, there's also things that unite us. There are things that, as the people of God, bind us together and make us one people, despite the fact that we come from all peoples. But before I get into that, let me ask you one more question. For those of you that have been to another country uh, besides the United States, um, just, and you've been to a bunch, just pick one, and tell us one thing you found that was the same and one thing you found that was different. Tell us one thing you found that was the same and one thing you found that was different about being in another country. And again, you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. Now, it may surprise you to know that uh, despite the fact that my undergraduate degree was Asian studies, I've never been to Asia. Uh, and so I can't tell you a story about that. Uh, I've been to the Bahamas, um, but I only did touristy things there, so that doesn't really count. Uh, I've been to Canada. They gave me a parking ticket, for which I am eternally bitter. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about Canada. But I have been, uh, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity uh, to go to both Austria and Germany. And so I'll, I'll tell you a story about that. Actually, the, my thing that I found that was the same and my thing that I found that was different is actually the same thing. And I'll explain to you how that is and what it is. One of the things I discovered when I went there was that so, so, so many people spoke English. Um, in fact, to the point that it was almost kind of annoying because I wanted to try to practice my German, right? And uh, every time I would speak German to someone, they would answer me back in English, which doesn't say a lot for my German accent, probably. <laughs> as well. I probably sounded really American uh, to them. But I remember when I was there, I caught a little bit of a cold, and I wanted to get some cough syrup. And so uh, I had to ask someone, this is before Google Maps, I'm that old. Uh, and so I had to ask somebody if there was a pharmacy. And so I had to look up the word for pharmacy, but otherwise I knew how to say the sentence. And so I just uh, approached someone on the street, said, excuse me, uh, and said, is there, do you know if there's a, a a pharmacy nearby, right? And I said it in German, if I remember correctly. It was something like, Gibt es ein Apotheker by here, right? Uh, is there a pharmacy nearby? And the guy looks at me and he goes, I'm not quite sure, but I think if you go down this way for two blocks and then hang a left, right? And so I don't know if I had asked a British tourist this question. Uh, I do know that over there when they learn English, they usually learn British English, not American English. So it could have been that. Uh, but yeah, everyone there spoke English. So that's the same because we all speak English here. Uh, but that's also the thing that's different because Americans are notorious for not speaking other languages. Uh, but everyone there spoke another language beside their native language. Not everyone, but like far, far more people. So Pastor Chris, what uh, are some of the other things people identified yeah, we've got a lot. Uh, of course, the main thing people said uh, was food. One thing specifically, Victoria said she went to Paris and the people were the same, but their food was really fresh, 
bread baked every morning, and dead ducks with the feathers still on were hanging outside of the stores. So that, that's interesting. <laughs> nice. That's uh, fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, people all want the same thing, food and music. One person noticed when they went to Europe, they noticed a lot more smokers over there than in the United States. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, and uh, Eric said the food is really different in China if you ever go, Pastor Matt. I want to bring up one point. I went on a mission trip with Tom Easton, who's uh, back there. And Tom found out that I spoke a little bit of Spanish. So he said, we're going to the hardware store. You've got to speak Spanish to these people. And you've got to get the, the nails so we go into this hardware store, and I say, uh, I, I need one box. And they said, como, como, como? You had to order the nails by the individual nails. They didn't have, like, boxes of nails. So I just, I was like, what's the word for hundreds of nails? Right, yeah. I need hundreds, and I, I went out. hundred nails. I'm yeah. holding a hundred nails in my hand. There wasn't even a bag for them. It was crazy. Oh, that's hilarious. Tom goes, I miss Home Depot. <laughs> Awesome. Tom, you can uh, verify that story later, if it's uh, true or not. No. Um, so, yeah, uh, just like there are, uh, when you go someplace uh, that you haven't been before, there are things you find that are different and things you find that are the same. When it comes to the people of God that we're going to experience in eternal life, while there are going to be many differences, different nations, tribes, languages, peoples, uh, there are also going to be things that unite us. In fact, there are two things that this passage mentions that unite us. Um, in verses 13 and 14, uh, when John is sort of asking like who these people are, it says this, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So those are the two things, right? The first is that we have all come out of this great tribulation. Now, sometimes in Revelation that can have a specific meaning, uh, but it also refers to and can refer to just the fact that we live in a broken world, right? Uh, we live in a world where there is still sin, uh, where there can be pain, suffering, death, these sorts of things. And we all pass through that tribulation, Different places are, are obviously different in many ways, right? And perhaps people in one area might be better off than another, or people in one point in history might be better off uh, than another, but yet we all share a lot of common human experiences. I think this is one of the things uh, that Solomon meant when he wrote in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun, Right? People are people, and the world is the world. So we all have to deal with many of the same problems. We all have to deal with um, sin and temptation in our own life and the consequences of sin and temptation. We all have to deal with health issues, with sickness, uh, with pain, even with the loss of death, right? Our own mortality that we face and when we have experienced the loss of loved ones, of friends and family. We all uh, end up at different points in our life having to deal with emotional pain and emotional struggle and turmoil. Those are things that all people have always had to deal with. And we're united by that. We all, by the time we get to experience eternal life, we have all passed through that shared kind of tribulation. But there is, of course, a second thing that unites us and that is this, that we have all been washed clean in the blood 
of the Lamb. The people of God come from all different places, and yet we get to eternal life the same way. We get there through Jesus. We make it into the kingdom through him. We all have received grace and forgiveness through faith in Christ. The gospel, as I said, is the same. We might experience it in different ways, but it does the same things for us. And it doesn't matter what you look like. Uh, it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter where you're from. There is no difference. In fact, Scripture even says this in Galatians. The Apostle Paul writes that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, not even male or female, for all are one in Christ. We are are all one. And we get the same thing. We get the promise of eternal life. I was, uh, did chapel at our lower school campus this past week. It was my, my last one of the year. Uh, so I decided to talk to them about summer. Because uh, for those of us that aren't kids anymore, uh, summer doesn't mean as much right? For a lot of us, summer doesn't, nothing really changes when we get to summer, other than that it just gets hotter. But you know, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you spend, you know, half the year, three quarters of the year uh, in school. And uh, school can be great, right? You, you meet friends there, uh, you learn new things, you grow, you get to participate in activities. But also, school's a real challenge. Uh, there's tests, there's a lot of, like, studying you have to do. There's the stress and pressure of grades, right? There's a lot of social pressures that happen. And so, as kids, we would always look to summer, right? Because all that stuff goes away in the summer. You don't have to get up early. You don't have to worry about grades. You, don't, you just get to do fun stuff in the summer, when you're a kid, you get to go to camps, you go on vacation, get to hang out with your friends all day. That is summer. And that's what eternal life is like for us. That's the promise of eternal life that God has for us. The world now is our school year. And just like real school, there's good things about it, right? God still gives us blessings. We still find love. We still, uh, you know, find joy. We still find happiness, good things. We still have blessings, but there's also still challenges, all those things we just talked about, that shared experience of tribulation that we all go through. It's challenging, it's difficult, and sometimes we're going to fail. But we get to look forward to summer. Describes what that's going to be like in verses 16 and 17. It says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Eternal life, the promise of eternal life that we have. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more sadness. There's only peace and joy and love those things remain. Summer is coming. And the knowledge that summer is coming gives us the strength we need 
to get through the times of tribulation that we still face. It enables us to have hope even when we experience tough times here. And we're also reminded of that diversity of the people of God, that those things we go through, we are not going through alone. But we are alongside of a countless multitude of God's people from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and every language. And we share that same hope in that eternal summer of eternal life. And in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.